Welcome back to Not Another Wellness Podcast. This is Natalie Dellinger, the host of the podcast and the voice behind the Naturally Nomadic Instagram page. So happy to have you as a listener today. First off, I wanted to share my first ever ratings and review on iTunes because I'm learning as I go how important these are. So I wanted to shout out some people that have given some love and have said they enjoyed the podcast. So this one is from August back in 2018. It's written by Where the Wild Things Run, and it says inspiring podcasts about the important things in life. 11 out of 10 worth a listen, way to keep it real and really delve into the important things in life. I love listening to this while working and gardening. Keep it up, Natalie. You're amazing. (sighs) Gosh, I mean, not to toot my own horn at all. I just have the most awesome listeners, and I'm so grateful for you guys. It truly is like a virtual thank you note. I heard someone say that in a podcast recently, and it's so true. Like heading over to iTunes and writing a review means a lot. It gets the podcast more downloads and helps people spread the good vibes, y'all. Today's episode is special to my heart because it's with my boyfriend, Adam Heiss, and it's a recorded conversation that we had where I got to dig into Adam's life, ask him questions about his past, his journey to self-discovery, his understanding of the ego, his morning routine his meditation practice, and so much more. Adam is one of the most inspired people I've ever met, and he truly believes that through self-work, we all can find that inner voice and deeply connect with others around us once we're able to take off the masks, remove the ego from the conversation, and show up as we are. I know this topic is going to be really relatable to so many of you, and I'm so grateful that Adam was willing to share this with us. So without any further ado, Mr. Adam McCutcheon Heiss. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm fantastic. Thanks. So, you're my boyfriend. Yes. That's (laughs) good to confirm. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) It's a trick question. (laughs) That wasn't a question. Is this a trap? Yeah. (laughs) How does he respond to that? Um, So, you're my boyfriend, and we have been talking for a long time, before we even were dating, about personal development type of umbrella, which is super buzzwordy and everywhere, but truly developing the self, developing habits, rituals, lifestyle. Yeah. I think that's something. That's fair. I, I think we, one of the things that we initially connected on was a shared interest in that. And while I wouldn't confess to being a huge health and wellness nerd, (laughs) I guess the way that I live and the things that I find important fall into that category so that makes sense yeah it does and like I think what I like about health and wellness is that it is so all-encompassing in my eyes anyway and the way I want to present it in this podcast is like it is everything from the choices you make to your lifestyle to what you put in your body to how you make your how you train your mind through meditation for example and how you train your physical body what things you work on prof- professionally personally 
it's like, how do you make yourself function? To me, that's like health, wellness, lifestyle. Like, yeah. And I think one of the things that you are good at and why this podcast is important is because it shouldn't be that you shouldn't, you should be able to say health and wellness without rolling your eyes and saying it with air quotes because it's this whole like, you know, hippie, crunchy, granola-y thing. It should just be that. It's people wanting to be happier, be healthier, to feel better about themselves on a daily basis. It's not about necessarily spiritualism or yoga or any one thing that someone else says works for them. It's about figuring out what works for you, I think. Totally. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) You should come on more often. (laughs) Be here all week. (laughs) Hopefully longer. (laughs) Um, So just like to start, I find a lot of your rituals and habits share some of your some of the things you do that keep you going most of the stuff wasn't really purposeful it's just things that i heard and would try out i think i'm kind of curious in that way that you know someone talks about cold showers and i try them out and i find that they give me a lot of energy in the morning same with stretching in the morning um i <laughs> tried and failed at yoga a few times, but I picked up a few things that I actually enjoyed. So that's that's a pretty uh, daily routine for me. Wake up, stretch, fairly regular with a meditation practice. Pretty regular. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You give me a look. Yeah. I, I've tried a few different meditation apps. I've liked many of them. Um, Headspace I've been using pretty much daily for th- three years. And waking up with Sam Harris, I like like a lot as well. It's a little bit more kind of heady into the the science aspect of what meditation can do to your mind, um, which I appreciate and kind of get into the neuroscience a bit. I've always found that really interesting. But yeah, so wake up, stretch, meditate um, when it's nice out, which it usually is here. Get out for a run, some fresh air, cold shower. I have recently tried to write a bit more, which I find really helpful for clearing my head. Yeah, if I'm diligent in my uh, routine, all of that will happen before work. And then, um, yeah. Where do you get your ideas from? Like, where do you hear about the cold shower? Where do you hear about meditation? Hmm. Some of it has been through friends. Some of it has been through friends recommending podcasts or books. I definitely have enjoyed like the Tim Ferriss types who do a lot of interacting with people who have been really successful. And I, I have some reservations, I guess, about that aspect of the kind of like personal development world that is kind of hyper-focused on optimizing every aspect of your existence. I don't know. I, I found it to be really helpful to be curious and to try out a lot of the things that they talk about. But I think it's also easy and it has been easy for me to fall into these traps of like, oh, if I don't do, you know, these 26 things before I start work, then I'll be in a terrible mindset all day and I'll feel like I'm slacking. And I think it's easy yeah. to get caught up, especially if you are of the competitive nature to want to like wring every ounce of productivity out of every second of your life, which I think takes away from your actual 
enjoyment of those experiences. I don't think that being as productive as you can possibly be in every second of the day is good or healthy. I think if you are constantly trying to find a way to turn the current moment into the perfect moment, I think you miss some opportunities to grow and to, to pay attention to the things that bubble up in those in-between spaces. Would you say you've experienced that in the early exploration of cold showers? and <laughs> Like going a little bit too far with yeah. it? Yeah, for sure. You know, I've, I've tried a lot of things that I ended up discarding because they just didn't work for me. And, and I definitely tried to force them at first. And for me, it's been kind of this wave or I guess my experimenting with these things tends to ultimately balance itself out. It's been a, a process as life has been a process of growing more accepting of myself and loving of myself and knowing that I'm not going to be perfect, but that I can find ways of working towards some end goals that, that make me feel really good and I think have given me just so much in the way of return, um, stronger relationships, stronger career, stronger mental health, um, which has been, I think all kind of come out of this process of, yeah, just being curious about what sort of health and wellness related <laughs> activities might make me feel might better. Might work for you. Yeah. It is really like a cater to your lifestyle and like what feels right. And it is so much like pushing too far in that direction is is really overemphasizing other people's mm. decisions in that space. And like, you have to really, I think it's good to try all those things. Like I like the Tim Ferriss exposure to yeah. those things. And it's like, oh, let me see how that feels. But then being able to be like, no, nah, it doesn't work for me. What I want to come back to is <laughs> firstly, the cold shower. Like, what mm. does that do for you? <laughs> <laughs> and like, how long are you in the shower for? <laughs> um, okay. And how cold? So... It depends. In the in the winter, I definitely chicken out of like jumping right into a cold shower, um, and we'll start it warm or hot even, and then just like finish with thirty seconds of like pretty cold. But once it starts getting warm out, I really kind of like the challenge of turning it on full blast cold, and it sucks. In the moment, and I kind of like that challenge because I I love hot showers. Like I get so relaxed by them. So forcing myself into that kind of challenging situation first thing in the morning, I think, just kind of does something for my psyche, a. Eh? But also, pretty much only ever do it uh, in the mornings or after exercising. Just totally energizes my body. Yeah. Second to that is um, your meditation practice, which mm -hmm. could be a whole episode in itself, but I'm most interested to hear how you found meditation. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I I think the the practice and the, the challenge of meditation, of trying to better know and care for your mind is the most valuable thing I've ever attempted. I think the first time I was introduced to it was on a Knowles trip, um, one of the older guys on the trip, one of the couple of days that we were just snowed into our tents, we were just talking about books, and I was one of the younger guys on the trip, and there were these guys, I was just like 
you know, 17, totally lost, didn't know where I wanted to go to college or what I wanted to do next at all. Where, where was the trip? It was in uh, British Columbia, coastal mountain range of BC. It was, uh, and how long was 30 it? 30 days of uh, mountaineering, like mostly traveling on glaciers. And so there were a few days where we were trying to do some peak ascents of some of the, the mountains out there and just total whiteout, couldn't get out of the tents at all. Which got weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like... Tents are small. Yeah. I mean, and we were sharing tents with the same four guys for like five week or sorry, five day stints before rotating. So, but one of the days we just spent talking about books. I filled a notebook with book ideas with like cool bands that they were talking about. And one of the guys talked about meditating and talked about um, this author, Alan Watts. And in particular, a book called The Way of Zen. And so when I got back, I ordered it and I looked at it and it meant nothing to me at the time. <laughs> I, I was already kind of open to those things. A, a buddy, uh, Jack Fields, gave me a book, uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, which talked a lot about not really Zen so much, but um, awareness for sure. Um, awareness of mind and of action and of seeking to better understand oneself in, in a lot of ways. Um, flash forward through a lot of very unnoteworthy years of college. <laughs> um, and Unnoteworthy. Yeah, in mm. a health and wellness sense, for sure. <laughs> Not a lot of uh, good decisions made in that realm. But uh, anyways, I survived. And the first summer of grad school, I was in uh, Bozeman and was totally alone, didn't know anyone, and finally picked up the way of Zen again. It, at that point in my life, was transformative. Um, Not, again, so much on the spiritual aspects of Zen Buddhism, but on the kind of meditative aspects and the pursuit of greater self-knowledge as a means of being able to better connect with other people and to see how connected we all really are. And that was just such a powerful message for me at that point. I was really struggling with my ego and didn't really know what to make of that. Um, What does that mean? That means that I had spent what felt like many years trying to be the person that I thought other people wanted me to be. I think often about how other people think about me, and for a big chunk of my life, most of it to this point, um, I spent trying to reconcile the image that I thought that people had of me with what I thought they wanted from me. So I'm just curious, Mm -hmm. like, if you could recall the person you thought you were perceived as and the person you thought you should be. Yeah. And like, who was that? Let's see. I mean, throughout college, I wanted to be the easygoing, fun-loving guy who didn't have to work hard to do well in school, was, you know, athletic, but didn't really try that hard, was, I guess that's a common theme, was, you know, good without really having to try to be good. Had I ever really tried that hard, I could have failed and I was terrified of failing. And so I I think I spent most of that time 
kind of half-assing everything so that I always had that out. That protection. Uh, yeah. Um, a lot of it was trying to be good, cool friend who no one really actually got to know that well. I didn't really let people in because that didn't fit with my idea of what people wanted from me. People didn't want, you know, introspective Adam. They wanted uh, easygoing, let's go drink six beers and hit golf balls off the deck into, you know, a neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that that's what they wanted of you or that's what the image Mm. you're keeping up was? I would guess a little bit of both. I regret that I don't actually know whether or not they would be my friends if they knew the real me in the same way that the relationships I had in college, I can't say whether or not they might have actually led to anything beyond what they did because all they ever saw of me was what I thought they wanted to see. I think it's a bit of a evolved trait of ours to read people, to understand what people want from us, to want to to allow that understanding or that really that guess of what people want to see from us to enable us to be more successful in a group, um, to be a part of a tribe, if you will. Just going to pour more tea. Yeah, please. Take some more tea. Yeah, because it just makes me wonder. I mean, oh. That's all right. I don't need much. uh, (laughs) It just makes me wonder about those relationships. Like, I just think back to college. um, People... They said tribes, like people in college, in my experience, are always with others. And friendships are like the most important thing and how you're perceived and what your reputation is and who you're out with. And like, and and not just important, but like essential, not important to, you know, your reputation or whatever, but like essential Mm -hmm. to feel connected to each other, but not necessarily connected to who we are or Mm. like yeah that's interesting I think you're right I mean so little up until the point that I was 22 maybe 23 even so little had led me in pursuit of self-knowledge you know every every interaction is about how you are with friends how you are with classmates how you are with you know, your coworkers, your family, yeah, how In you the socialize. Frat. It's like who you're, yeah. Yeah, there's very little emphasis put on figuring out how you interact with you and like what your relationship is with who you are, which. And being alone. Yeah, I think uh, there's a great quote about uh, all of man's trouble steaming stemming from his inability to sit in a room by himself. I think there's probably some truth to, um, you know, just based on my own experience of how much more at peace I am and how much stronger my relationships are with people since beginning to seek to better know myself. Right. And I'm trying not to jump because I know a little of this story, but (laughs) just like the way you said it was, yeah, and then college, you know, and then I was alone in Bozeman, mm. and that's what brought me back to that book. Yeah. And that's just interesting, and it makes sense, because I don't think college is meant for, like, being alone. It's, like, so much more of this group experience, yeah. and I think that's there's a purpose for that, and I think we're all pushed into, like, this pressure of, like, ac- 
academics and mm. choosing like and, and focusing on school and like growing up but like not really this weird phase or all like pretending to be grown up but when it really hits you is when all of that is stripped away like that comfort the group dynamic and then you're like yeah post-college who am i what do i do now basically yeah. but it's i guess somewhat concerning to me that it's really easy to avoid that also it's it's easy to traipse right from that whole dynamic in college to the similar one post-college and to carry that forward and begin a relationship where both people are doing the same thing you know I think out of best intentions trying to be someone for each other instead of being themselves for each other and mm. I think it's unfortunately the easiest route to continue trying to guess what the world wants from you and give the world that I found myself lost not knowing who I was anymore and what I actually truly cared about if if all of the awareness or awareness at least of what I guessed people wanted from me was stripped away I, I didn't know what was underneath that anymore and it led me inward to try to figure it out what happened that summer the introduction to life in the mountains was one thing on its own like had I not gone on this kind of self-discovery type of journey it would have been an adventure in of itself just living in the mountains and getting introduced to the hiking and biking and trail running and fishing and climbing and everything that people do out there um it totally made me fall in love with that lifestyle and that mm. people socialized by going outdoors together and that people stayed really active and fit because the social life was being active just for context um just say where you grew up and hmm. yeah. then bozeman just yeah yeah I've... um i grew up in covington virginia it's um southwestern virginia on the appalachian mountains spent most of my life on the East Coast between Virginia and a brief but memorable stint in Connecticut. <laughs> and then went to school at Virginia Tech for grad school in Chapel Hill. But was spending my summers in grad school out in Bozeman. Many of the things that I picked up that summer have become parts of my routine. Um, you know, being more active, um, getting out into the mountains at every chance because it's for me, something very refreshing to be surrounded by trees. And on the inner side, I think <laughs> I, given that I didn't really know that many people, just read a lot. And yeah, just totally rediscovered my, my interest in learning more both about myself and my mind and just kind of history and how the way that we think and the way that we interact and coexist has changed over time. I just... I began to see something that I've been trying to explore more, which is the kind of very distinct thread between how people think and the way that the world works. People's relationship with their minds is its just so fundamental to how you interact with people. Building some level of self-acceptance and self-compassion is such a important foundational aspect for having healthy relationships with other people. How did you start to build that self-understanding? <laughs> it started with a lot of self-loathing as I stripped away uh, slowly all of the 
kind of layers of how I I wanted to be seen and how I thought people might see me. I saw myself in a very raw way and that I had with my selfish behavior and being focused on pleasing people had actually hurt a lot of people and that was really tough. That's kind of the direction that it went. It was, you know, stripping away a lot of the the acting, the wanting to seem a certain way and then figuring out who I actually was and who I could be with a more genuine care for myself. I wonder what you started to notice about yourself as you, I mean, not just peeling back the layers and looking and and probably being kind of confused Mm -hmm. with, or maybe not liking the person you saw underneath, or maybe feeling sad that that person never really had a voice and it was just layered with ideas instead of reality. Yeah, definitely. I um, certainly found myself having a lot of regret kind of for exactly that, that I had not given myself the freedom to, to be in a, in a real way for most of my life. Um, I found out pretty quickly that I'm not actually as social as I liked to pretend that I was when I was in college um, and high school too. I, I just, I need a lot of me time and I need a lot of time to sit and think and read and and I I found in that process that I really like thinking deeply about just the way that I am and how my perception of other people and the world around me affects the way that I I think and act um, and also what aspects of that might be more universal and more shared than than just kind of intrinsic to to my weird brain (laughs) (laughs) well yeah and and that's a good segue because I wanted to talk about your writing I would like you to talk about why you started writing about said ego topics Mm. and this topic and you found it helpful to do that I found that I only really understand things well if I try to share them with people like there's a saying that I'm yeah. forgetting about, like teaching. Te- and... Be the teacher, like being the teacher. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's a little bit like selfishly motivated to try to share these things because they help me better understand my own thoughts on the ego and uh, self-awareness. But I like to think that I was primarily driven by a recognition of how valuable this process of introspection and self-discovery and pursuit of better self-acceptance and self-love has been for me. And really every aspect of my life has been dramatically improved by, by that process. And so I felt it was almost a responsibility to try to share that with people. And I have also found that trying to push that on people, it doesn't really work. You have to kind of find a way to meet people where they are. And I think that's one of the most important things that, that I've learned in this, this process of trying to encourage other people to go on that journey if they're not ready is they won't, first of all, but it, yeah. it wouldn't be, you know, fruitful even if they did. We talked about this and it's, it came up in your story that mm. older peer in the Knowles trip gave mm. you that book and it didn't mean shit to you yeah, because right. you were ready for it, yeah. but it planted a seed. 
-hmm. whether or not you realized it at the time, but you came back around. I think there's a line between passionately sharing versus like imposing. Yeah. And I think to a certain extent it's, it's good because it's like the Tim Ferriss stuff. It puts a little idea and I think you're drawn to the right things at the right times for the right reason. Yeah, absolutely. And you sort of have to trust that people will come around when they're ready. And it is kind of frustrating though. I think if you have all this self-discovery and you're like this, wow, transform my life. And you want everyone to feel that way, but it's just impossible to not everybody's at the same right. part of the journey. Beating a horse to water instead of, you know, pushing it in. <laughs> I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. For a long time, have been thinking about how to find a way to make the things that were impactful to me accessible to my friends effectively. Because the, you know, four beers in at the bar, like, hey, you should check this out. Like, meditating is actually, like, <laughs> worthwhile. Doesn't always catch on, oddly enough, um, which is weird. But, um, yeah, I started trying to write something about the the ego and how I think it affects people and how I think it limits what we allow ourselves to to do because we are afraid of being ourselves and caught up in this game of seeming and seeming yeah so that's kind of the way that I came to think about it that I found myself putting more emphasis on wanting to seem a certain way instead of allowing myself to be a certain way. And I think the the process that, that I've been on has been on has been towards more authentically being rather than disingenuously seeming. Just which I think only really has been possible because I went through that process of really getting down into the the self-loathing that came out of um, a long history of, of seeming and uh, being pretty selfish about it. But it I emerged with a, a deeper sense of care for myself, which has allowed me to be more okay with who I am. And I think one of the, the most challenging things about that is that off the bat, I... I felt like that was almost kind of quitting, like it, that there's some complacency around accepting who you are and that, that that's it. Like once you do that, then you're not hungry anymore and you'll never have an impact in the way that I, I want to. But hmm. uh, I haven't found that to be the case at all. I think yeah. getting to a place of accepting who I am, where I am, has only made it easier for me to take steps forward towards who I want to be and where I want to be because I'm less afraid of faltering and taking steps forward because I know I will fail. I know I've failed a thousand times. I can see very clearly why I've failed instead of covering up my failures with the sort of layers that my ego wants to put on it that, oh, I wasn't really trying or it's easier to, to see clearly the cause and effect instead of allowing my, my ego to step in and protect me from the obvi obvious failings of my, my actions. I think it's, it makes that feedback loop much more pronounced, and so it's much easier to learn and grow. How would you define this ego? Hmm. What is ego to you? Like, wh How does it show up in your life? Um, yeah, when I say ego, I'm really thinking about 
that idea of yourself that you think other people hold. And so when I walk into a room, I still immediately have a thought of, you know, people seeing me and what they think when they see me and how I should act in that situation. And I think the critical point, turning point for me has been the ability to turn that down at least a lot, if not, if not off. Sometimes it's off. Going back to that summer in Bozeman, you asked what it was like. I began to notice those moments very distinctly. Began to notice when that loop kicked in, where I walked into a room or was interacting with someone and found myself thinking about the fact that I was thinking about being a certain way for them. Oh, I shouldn't talk about my interest in this, or I should try to be more engaged or funny or aloof, or I sort of was able to, to step back from that normal cycling of that loop and see it and challenge it in a way that has ultimately kind of freed me from from it a little bit. Almost like taking the power away, knowing that that doesn't define you. Right. It doesn't have to be my way of of being. Once you try to challenge that, once you step out of it and allow yourself the, the freedom that is unique to who you are, to allow all of the unique neurons firing in your brain in the pattern that they only do for you, and to use all of the experiences that no one else has had to be wholly, uniquely you in a way that no one else ever can or will. That idea of ourselves and that wasting the time and the energy analyzing and playing that game yeah. of who am I? And yeah. So what happens when we live dialed down? <laughs> yeah, I have found a couple of things come from it. I have developed relationships that are just so incredibly different from the ones that I had. The ability to connect at a really fundamental level, I I think only really comes from cutting into your ego's ability to control you. When you are constantly wearing masks, people can like that mask a lot, but it doesn't lead to the same sort of connection as two maskless people actually having a lot in common. And I think less often I'm surrounded by friends and I'm more often surrounded by, I'm not sure what's a better word for the people that you truly connect with, but there are fewer people around on a daily basis that that I feel almost obliged to, to interact with. It's It's been a, I guess, a kind of whittling down of of the people in my life to a more fundamental group that share a lot in common. And I am not concerned about them liking me or me having to be someone for them because all they have seen is all of me. That's good and bad and caring and selfish and strong and weak. And I think that the fact that they're still around you know, means that they always will be. They accept you as you are. Yeah. Today. Right. So I think it, it is the foundational 
building block to strong relationships. It's, I think, been easier for me to to recognize my own shortcomings, to see opportunities for me to to grow, to, to be more effective as a friend, as a brother, as a son, as a boyfriend, as a employee. Um, I think because I've been less... Distracted. Yeah, distracted's a good word for it. Because you're describing that scene, like walking into a social setting, and um, not to cut you off, but like no. I was just thinking, like, whoa, when I walk in somewhere and I have that image of myself walking in there from an out of body like yeah. viewpoint, it is so exhausting to feel like you're on display. <laughs> but it's like it's not. I don't know, but I can completely relate to that, and that might be why social settings are so exhausting for me. Yeah. But like walking in and just imagining and just like playing with that relationship between all those people because you think you have to right. act a certain way or you're expected to be a certain way is so freaking exhausting and distracting from just being yourself and connecting and just like letting that guard down almost. Yeah. Totally. And being like you walk into that room and you're talking to someone, but you're just thinking about them thinking about you and <laughs> it becomes Whoa. this. Yeah. It sounds so. <laughs> it sounds insane. Insane. But yeah. it's it's what I did for such a long time. And yeah. it makes it really tough to actually connect with the people that are talking effectively at you while you're thinking about what they're thinking about you or what you're going to say next based on what they're saying that's going to sound cool or funny or right. whatever. You're just so much more invested in perpetuating that perception of you instead of just being and interacting in a true easy way as yourself so yeah connections seeing more clearly i think the the last one that i would point out is um the breadth of things that i've found myself freed to explore and be spending my time on it's a lot of things that i've been curious about for a long time but never really felt you know i was truly free to spend time doing those things and so I've, an example is, you know, telling my friends that I won't be coming to hang out because I'm going to stay in and read or stay in and work on something I've been writing or just stay in because I need some, you know, time to decompress from a busy couple of days instead of have to go out to bar and catch up with everyone because I want to be seen as that fun social guy. It's, um, again, it's kind of a freedom thing. It's, it's just allowing yourself to be you and to do the things that you need, which I guess brings it back to health and wellness. <laughs> Full circle. You know. Here we are. <laughs> How to love yourself and be the best version of yourself mm. and do whatever lights you up. The last thing I want to ask you is just for somebody who's listened to this, say they're, it really strikes a chord with mm. them and they're thinking, wow, I am that person that feels distracted and exhausted and overwhelmed from my day-to-day -day exchanges with people because I'm so consumed with wanting to please them. What would be your suggestion for someone who was in your shoes that many years ago? Yeah, it's a great question and that's what I've wanted to do with the writing is to to make it accessible to make this thing that has profoundly changed my life accessible to to someone else like 
me five years ago. I think what I would suggest is taking some time to just be quiet, to find some time on your own, go for a walk, go for a run, just find yourself sitting in the corner of your room for five, ten minutes every day and just see what pops up and to care for the the thoughts that arise in those moments because that's a little bit of a, an indication of you. I would suggest some of the, the guided meditation apps. Yeah. Um, really easy way to kind of get you beginning to be comfortable with, with sitting alone and with paying attention to the way that your mind is. But a good place to start is on your own. Not, you know, trying to spend 20 minutes sitting in silence, but just listening for a bit before before having that impacted by someone else suggesting what you should be thinking about, what you should be paying attention to, just to spend a little bit of time thinking for yourself. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah, it was a lot. I feel like I was rambling. I think that this is super relatable, and I liked that you were able to share how hard it was for you to get to where you are and it's just admitting that it is taken time and it's a journey um I think that's important I think hearing the podcast with you know the successful people and they're like oh well one back in the day when I was struggling you know to do something not saying they're all like that but I think it's nice to hear an in the works version it's evolving and that's the message that I want to send through you to the world (laughs) yeah i think like with most things getting started is the most challenging bit but like with any form of exercise you know once you begin to see the the payoff from something that you've been doing it becomes almost self-perpetuating i would just like to share how grateful i am to you for the care and love that you put into this podcast and taking time from a very busy schedule to want to help people, to learning and sharing what you find and making the world a bit of a better place by helping people be happier. I think it's incredibly important and inspirational that you care so much. Thank you. I didn't even ask you to say that. (laughs) Shameless plug number two. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I, yeah, I like putting it like that. I think that there is so much value in sharing the journey. And um, I hope that it is helpful for people. Kind of like you said, it helps me. It helps me become a better version of myself by hearing ideas and health and wellness trends and things that could make my life me feel better about myself and who I am. And if that affects anybody else listening, then that's all I could ask for. Yeah. And hopefully this vibe is contagious because it feels <laughs> contagious to me. <laughs> Spread the good vibe. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Natalie. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Adam. Isn't he lovely? I know. I'm so lucky. Thanks, Adam, for sharing your story, for letting me interview you, for letting me post it onto the internet, and just for being an awesome, inspiring human that challenges me to be the best version of myself each and every day. 
Until next time, namaste. Be well. Bye.